Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. And also a big thank you, Pastor Christy and Andrew. (laughs) I didn't forget them. Father, I thank you right now that your, your word... Your word is alive, living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you. Your words are spirit and they are life. Father, I love the fact it's not just what I say, it's what you do with what I say. And I, I can just see, Lord, certain words landing tonight. It was even as Jackson shared earlier. Father, ones would hear Not necessarily, I I thus saith the Lord from me, but I just see words landing in people's hearts and the Holy Spirit igniting it and activating something. And Father, I declare clarity tonight. I break any confusion in any life, any mind right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, for bringing clarity, for bringing encouragement for doing something, Father, significant in the lives of people here tonight. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Okay, we're going to start tonight with Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon, also called Peter, that's the same Peter who we talked about this morning, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So this was the time the very first time that Jesus called Peter and Andrew to himself. It was the first time that they met the Lord Jesus. Do you remember the first time? Do you remember the first time that you met the Lord Jesus? Do you remember the first time when you encountered Him, no matter where that was, how that took place, that something, something resonated in your heart, that, that you were convicted of your need for Him and you, like the disciples, followed Him. I remember the first time. And it was over 40 years ago. But I remember, I remember as a young Catholic girl who'd been on a search for truth and trying all sorts of spiritual stuff in between, took myself to church on Christmas Day, 1980. And it turned out to be an ACC church back in the day, an Assemblies of God church. It was the first time I had been in a church like that, only a very small church, and I was expecting to hear a Christmas message, you know, about baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, But the pastor actually preached from John 10.10. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I have to to be honest, that is the first time I had ever heard a connection made between Jesus and life. 
And I had grown up seeing Jesus on the cross every day of my school education. And I I'd honestly had thought, hello, Jesus, goodbye life. And this promise, this invitation came to accept not just life, but abundant life. Now, I was a girl who just wanted to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. Oh, girls just want to have That's all they really want. That was me. I wanted to have fun and I honestly didn't think I was going to find it following Jesus. But this invitation, not just for life, but abundant life. And, and not just what I heard that morning, but it was what I felt. For the first time, I encountered the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And as I walked out of the church that morning and the pastor wished me a Merry Christmas, I burst into tears. I didn't even know what was happening, to be honest. And he asked me the question, have you given your life to Jesus? Or have you given your life to Christ or asked Jesus into your heart? I did not understand the question. <laughs> we have to be aware of that, right? Yeah, people who haven't grown up, you know, in these cultures don't necessarily understand the language. And I'm thinking, well, I've been christened, first Holy Communion and confirmed three times that I know of. So I said to the pastor, yes, I think so. I think so. But if you think so and don't know so, you probably haven't so. And so he led me in a prayer right there at the doorstep of the church. And that was the first time, the first time I left that church. I skipped out of that service. I remember driving home in the Kingswood singing songs that I'd heard for the first time. And from that point on, I know that becoming born again is not about a feeling that we do it in faith, but I'm one of those people who had a legitimate, powerful encounter and I was translated from darkness to light, from death to life. I felt like that weight of sin left, lift off me suddenly. It was like things all, I could see the colours again and I could not keep away from church. That was the first time and I heard the call from Jesus to come follow Him. Here, here these disciples are called and they left everything. They left their businesses. They left their the life as they, as they had known it until that point. And there was no explanation. There was no negotiation. There was no elaboration. All Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I believe tonight the Lord is saying to us all, come follow me. Come follow me. I believe He wants to really shine the light on this matter of following, of following Jesus. Now, all the disciples heard was follow me and they left everything. Now, when I started following Jesus, it was an interesting response in my household to that decision because clearly something had changed. And as I started to go to church, not just once on a Sunday, but twice, my father was convinced I joined a cult. My mum my mum, my mum was quite happy. I'd rather her go to church than go out clubbing and night clubbing and getting drunk and doing drugs. She thought church was a good option. I think my father would have rather have, I've done the clubs and I, because he, he, as an Italian Catholic man, he was embarrassed that his daughter had left the Catholic Church. Now, just so you know, if you're here visiting tonight, you're Catholic, or Catholic background, I have nothing against the Catholic Church. I never left. I was never there. 
right? Just for the record, I was never there. And you know what? Neither was my dad. We weren't, we weren't even, I mean, over time, we weren't, we weren't even Easter and Christmas Catholics. It was just weddings and funerals. That's the only time we stepped into a church. I couldn't believe how religious my dad got when I got born again. And so, man, I, very early, some of you can relate, very early in my, my, my journey of following Jesus, I had to make a quality decision. I had to decide, am I going to follow Jesus and please my heavenly Father? Or am I going to do a 180 degree turn in order to please my earthly dad? So my dad didn't talk to me at all for 12 months. And we lived in the same home. For about five years, he was very cold, very cold. It took about 10 years before he realised this wasn't going away. (laughs) When I then went into full-time ministry, oh, my goodness. It was funny because at family events, uh, people would ask my mum, what was Vicky doing? And she would say, oh, she's working for the church. They'd ask Dad, he'd say, I'm working for the Bank of Queensland <laughs> or the Queensland Public Service or something. He was so, he was so, you still couldn't come to terms with it. So I had to pay a price very early, not like the price that many others have to pay, but nevertheless, I knew what it was to follow Jesus, to hear the call, to come follow me. But here I am seeing these Andrew and Peter and they didn't have any precedent. There was no, no one had gone before them. They were the first. That blows my mind. They were, all they heard was follow me and they left everything. I've been considering what was it? What was it about that encounter that caused them to leave life as they knew it and the security of their fishing business to follow a man whose only words to them were, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I believe I I may have an answer or some of the answer. One of my favourite verses is John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They followed because they heard. They followed because they heard. There is no following without hearing. Can I just say to anyone here tonight, you've got any measure of, you know, responsibility here at Horizon, a connect group leader or in, in, you know, some form of leadership, pastoral ministry, we have to remember that people will not follow Jesus without a hearing of his voice. We're discipling people to Jesus, right? And in discipling people to Jesus, we're responsible for helping equip them 
And disciple them in hearing the voice. In hearing the voice. So there's no following without hearing. The voice of God is not the cherry on the cake. It's not just an add an extra. It's not just for super spiritual people or prophetic types or those who came out of the womb speaking in tongues. The voice of God is the cake. Because, because following requ- requires hearing. So if you are his sheep, you hear his voice. I can talk on this verse for hours and hours and hours. You don't, not potentially, not maybe. I like to work this in at least, every, every Sunday I speak, I work this in somewhere because this is my life scripture. It's not maybe you hear the voice of God, potentially you hear the voice of God. Or if I'm a good Christian, once I read my Bible in a year, I've gone to Bible college or prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. No, you hear his voice because you're his sheep. Just because you're his sheep. And when you gave your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, boom, came into your spirit, bam, you're on Jesus' network. And you've got the device of heaven on the inside of you that is doo, 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 that, that picks, up, picks up the airwaves or the, the sound waves of heaven and you hear his voice. Not necessarily audibly, probably not in actual fact, but people often are looking for sentences. They think the voice of God is... That word voice, it kind of misleads us a bit because we think, well, voice comes out of someone's mouth and we hear it with the ear, not spiritually. That word voice in the Greek is actually a bit broader than our English word for voice. So it's more like disclosure. So God can communicate in all sorts of ways. What's your name? What's this rooster here with the moustache? Yeah, what's your name? Isaac. Isaac. I see God dropping knowledge into your spirit. Knowledge. That means you just know things by the Spirit. And it's not that you heard a voice. It's not even that you necessarily felt something or saw a vision. It's just you have a knowledge and an understanding of, of problems, of, a, of situations. I see you moving in the word of knowledge, the First Corinthians 12 gift of the word of knowledge. And what, what that does is that, that unlocks people. That unlocks people and, get, and, and facilitates freedom because then we know what the problem really is because sometimes the problem isn't actually the problem. People think this is the problem, but that's not the problem. And God will show you. But I see you many, many, in many, many times to come, you're going to even wake up in the morning and you just know something you didn't know. Right? It's just spirit, it's, it's like knowledge. It's, like we, he gives us knowledge by his spirit, bam. And it's not dependent on your IQ. Now, you might be a smart bloke. I'm, I'm, I'm average. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not super bright, which I'm really relieved about because I probably wouldn't be up here speaking if, if, if this was dependent on my IQ. And so the spirit, we all hear his voice. But I want to go back to those, those disciples, those Original disciples. Let's just think about the very, very first, Andrew and Peter. Have you considered this? That when Jesus came and called them to come and follow him, that they were receiving a word from the word. 
Jesus is the living Word, right? Jesus is the Word made flesh. And so He was giving them a Word. So a Word from the Word is a rhema. That's, that's what we, that's traditionally how it's understood. So you've got the Logos, the Word of God. That does not change, right? That's from, from Genesis to Revelation, the full canon of Scripture, the Word of God, the Logos. But the rhema is when, when words come alive. Words come alive and speak and speak specifically. Times when bits, you know, Scripture jumps jumps out at you or there's the preaching of the Word and it just, oh, something resonates in your heart. Well, this is what they were receiving. They were receiving a Word, small w, from the Word, big W. <laughs> big W. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so they left, they left everything because that Word activated them. It catapulted them. It compelled them. And I believe there are people here tonight and you're, you're, you're coming to a crossroad or you're coming to a defining moment in your walk with God. And God is going to call you to step out in faith or He's going to require something or put a demand on you to step in to deeper waters in your walk with Him. I believe God is really drawing a line in the sand in this time, in this season in which we the church are in. And He's saying, will you come and follow me? Will you come and follow I had an experience, another experience like these disciples. And um, I love the way God can shout if he has to. Did you know that? We talk a lot about whispers. Still small voice of God. You heard about that? The still small voice of God. You know, that was the experience of a depressed prophet in a cave. We've turned it into a doctrine. That's it. Like that's the only volume God speaks at. Have a look at the full, the full word of God. God, God. God's voice thunders, breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Like God can, yeah, God whispers and he shouts and he all volume in between. Every volume in between. Right, so he knows how to, how to speak to you right where you're at. So I've known what it is to, to, have, to have the shout. I was walking along the waterfront. This is back to 19, 1992. I'd gone to Brisbane for five months. I think I, I shared that this morning. Went to Brisbane for a prophetic training school. And at the, at the end of, of that five months, I was fully intending to go back to my hometown of Perth, back to my family, everyone I knew and loved, my home church. And, and as, I'm, as I'm just walking along the waterfront there at the Redcliffe Peninsula, I heard the voice of God so loud, it knocked me off my feet. Like literally, like I remember, I can still, I was going like this. I think my hand was, I mean, hand was, uh, head was in my hands like, and, and, the, and the Lord, it was like, and again, it was just one of these explosions of knowledge. It wasn't like I heard the, the sentence. It was just this explosion of knowledge and it was, I want you to stay in Brisbane. I'm like, What? They had never even entered my consciousness. I was booked to fly back to Perth in four days. I'd run out of money. 
I'd got kicked out of the place that I was living in because I was super spiritual. So I was living in a caravan with the cockroaches and I'm thinking, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going back to Perth and it, soon. And God called me to stay, to leave my cushy job, my HR job, which was very comfortable, <laughs> to, follow, to, follow, to follow him and to stay in Brisbane. I didn't know what for. I didn't know what God had planned. And turned out what he had planned was me going into full-time ministry. I didn't know that. To ring my mum and tell her I wasn't coming home, Honestly, it's the hardest thing. To this day, I've done some hard things, I'll tell you what, in the will of God. All right, some of the, the, these tests of obedience, I, I, I don't have time or tissues enough to tell you. Some of the things I have had to do in obedience to God that have been so, so hard. But ringing my mum, I couldn't, ring, I couldn't tell Dad. She had to tell Dad. Saying I'm staying in Brisbane. There was no preparation. There was no farewell party. I gave them no warning. I went for five months, they were waiting for their daughter to come home and I didn't come back. It was tough. She grieved like I died for five years. It was really, really tough. But I did it because of a God shout that has held me in good stead for many, many, many years. You know, for the last, I would say, 20 plus years, we've had a big focus in the church on leadership development, on, on identifying leaders, raising up leaders. There have been leadership conferences, leadership colleges, leadership, lots, lots of focus on leadership. But I honestly feel the Lord is calling us, His church, back to fo- focusing on followership. And it's not that there aren't legitimate gifts of leadership in the church. Don't misunderstand me. But leaders need to be followers. I kind of feel like we need some, it'd be great to have some followership conferences, some followership trainings, some followership colleges. Because the first call to the first disciples was to follow. Come follow me. Not follow him, not follow her, not follow Apollos, not follow Paul. Come follow me. Can I have the worship team return, please? You know, I had a vision uh, last year and it was of the Lord Jesus in, in, in like a waltz position. You know what I mean? To dance. You know, like a bridal waltz? You get the idea? I'm not going to demonstrate because I'm not very good at that stuff. And, uh, and he was actually in a waltz with a, a pastor friend of mine. And, and uh, this pastor friend of mine was, was really trying hard, right? Really trying hard to, to you know, do the steps. And uh, he kept, oh, he kept stepping on Jesus' feet. Like he was, and he was, he, he was ah, stepping on Jesus' feet. Like it wasn't, wasn't flying. It was, and Jesus stopped and looked at him and said these words, let me lead. Let me lead. And then as a friend, as, uh, as, as my friend oh, just relaxed and started to let Jesus lead, suddenly they found themselves in this rhythm. They started to dance. And it reminded me when I was a little girl and 
We'd go to family weddings and functions and I'd look forward to dancing with my Uncle Rocco. And Uncle Rocco, among many things, was also a dance instructor at Arthur Murray's Dance School. And I'm talking about when I was very little, you know, four, five, six. And I'd look forward to dancing with Uncle Rock because for, for, for those moments, I felt like I could dance. He would just glide me around the dance floor. I remember his legs would kind of just push my little legs along and I'd be flying around the dance floor. In actual fact, I think I might have been standing on his feet at some point. But that's what happens when you, when you let him lead. When you let him lead. And so they were... They were dancing, but my friend was still really worried about his steps. Worried about his steps. What step do I take next? What step do I take next? Like really, it it reminded me of when uh, my husband and I got married. Uh, What are we about to celebrate? I think it's our 18th wedding anniversary this December. 18th or not? 18th. And... At a wedding, you've got to have a bride or waltz, right? You've got to have the dance for the bride and groom. Well, my husband announced he's not going to do it. So what do you mean you're not going to do it? He says, only, the only way I'm going to do that dance, if it's choreographed. What are you talking about choreographed? Like, I'm, I'm quite happy just to sort of, you know, let's grab each other around the waist and do a bit of a two-step shuffle. Huggy, huggy, smooshy, smooshy. Who cares if we, if we can dance or not? No, this is three weeks before the wedding. I'm like, it's got to be choreographed because we're going to do it. We're going to do it properly, which is my, if you knew my husband, that's pretty typical of, of most things. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it properly. I'm, let's wing it and see. He's not going to do it. We're going to do it properly. And so there was a young man in our church at the time who was a dance instructor. He'd been a professional dancer actually. And he put his hand up and he said, I would be happy to choreograph a dance. I'm still thinking he's just gonna teach us steps, right? We're just gonna learn how to waltz. No, we had a whole, you know, dancing with the stars, flipping routine, the whole full Monty, the whole nine yards. It's like, we got this. Oh my, it's so stressful. Three weeks before the wedding, as if I don't have enough stress as it is. Now I've got to learn how to do this choreographed routine. And as I was there trying to do this, do these steps, keeping my eyes on my feet, on my feet, the dance instructor said, Vicky, it's actually not about his feet, it's about his face. And in this vision, the Lord Jesus actually said that to my friend. Stop looking at you. Don't worry about your steps. Don't worry about your steps. Look at my face and the steps will follow. I feel like God wants to bring and restore back the joy of some people's salvation here tonight. The joy of following Jesus. You know, I, I don't know you all here tonight. And before, uh, before we go any further, I just wanna give anyone an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're not a Christian or you've never, had an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Or maybe you have in times past, but for whatever reason, you're not walking with Him anymore. I would love to just give you an opportunity in this moment. I wanna pray for you. 
So you would know on this day in October 2023 that you received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You received forgiveness for your sins. You received that abundant life that I talked about earlier. So just with your eyes closed right now, if that's you, you say, yep, that's me, Vicky. I want, I want to experience that. I know I need to change spiritual address from darkness to light, from death to life. Maybe you need to just rearrange some things in your life right now to put Jesus back in the driver's seat. He used to be there, but now He's in the back seat. Maybe you've even just got Him in the boot, just as a bit of insurance. But He wants you to surrender and give your life to Him. So with every eye closed right now, I could say that's Jesus on the line right now. (laughs) But I'd love you to consider your spiritual condition. Do you need to give your life to Jesus tonight? Come to Christ. Come, I hear the Lord saying, come, follow me. So if that's you, I just would love you in this moment. Just shoot your hand up high so I can see it. Say, yep, that's me. I want to come to Jesus. I want to receive you. Thank you. Thank you, darling. That's awesome. Anybody else, you know, tonight you you need to come. You need to come back. You need to get right with Him. It's time to step across that line. I feel like there could be a couple more. So just quickly before we move on tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the Lord saying He's waiting for someone. Yeah, God bless you, mate. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just sit in His presence just for just for a, a few moments. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you our all. Give you our all. I hear the Lord saying to someone, He wants you to follow, not not like you followed before. Not like you followed before. Oh, it's something new, something new. Not like before, brand new. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Move by your Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father, for faith, for salvation right now. Thank you, Jesus. Um, there's someone here and it's like, you remind me of, um, it was the, 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 the father of, of the sick daughter who, were, who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You don't have to have perfect believing to receive Jesus. All you need is that faith, the size of a mustard seed. I'm just feeling like I'm, I'm encouraging someone specifically here tonight because you feel like you don't have all your ducks in a row. It's like you've got to get your life right before you come to Jesus. No, you've got it all back the front. We just come to Him with what we have, with who we are, with the little believing that we have. That is enough. That is enough. So one last time, I'm just give you one last opportunity before we pray. Whoever that person is, don't be shy. Just shoot your hand up and then I'll ask you to put it down. Thanks, mate. That's awesome. God bless you. Praise God. Okay, now we can pray. So for those who raised your hand, I'd love you to pray this prayer with me. And the rest of us are going to pray along as well. 
aren't we? Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Jesus. I thank You that He died for me to give me life. And right now, I receive You, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. I'm sorry I've ignored You and live life my own way, but tonight I choose Your way. I thank You that You love me and have great plans for my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.